1960s and 70s are a part of the Jesus movement, and uh, it changed society and changed culture. And Miss Pam and I and several of you are, are uh, part of that Jesus movement. You came out of that. You got saved that uh, through that. You were called into ministry as, as an offshoot of that. Uh, we've been talking about Jesus. We've been talking about a revolution or another Jesus movement. Can it happen? Absolutely it can happen. But it's going to start when we get serious about who we are in the kingdom of God and what our place is in the kingdom of God. Last week we talked about revolution. And there's different definitions for revolution. Uh, the sun goes, I'm sorry, the earth goes around the, rev, the, the sun in a revolution. It's a close one. And we talked about how different planets revolve around the sun. Uh, Mercury is the closest. It only takes 88 days to go around the sun. It's around 500 degrees Fahrenheit there. It doesn't take long to get around. Then on the other end of the spectrum, you have Pluto uh, that takes about, uh, oh, daggummit, I want to, it was like over 90,000 days to do it. It's 258 years to go around the sun, and it's cold out there. It's just as cold out there, as hot as it is in, on Mercury, about four or 500 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. But it, it takes so long to get around, and it's cold. Well, a very similar situation. When we're revolving and orbiting, uh, orbiting around Jesus, man, there's a fire in our bones. There is unction inside of us. It doesn't take us long to get a hold of a word from God. It doesn't take us long to be sensitive to the power of the Holy Spirit. But when we're away from God, man, it takes us forever to get a word from Him. Uh, it takes us a, a long time to warm back up. And so the whole idea of a revolution of closeness is what we hit on last week. Today we're going to talk about a revolution of combativeness, uh, almost like a military thing, a battle that's going on. Uh, the definition that we're going to look at today is that that idea of one government or system being overthrown and replaced with another system. Uh, that's also a revolution. We've seen that in this country uh, about 250 years ago. And we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. It's the same text we used last week, but we're going to apply a different lens at it uh, this morning. So if you have your copy of God's Word, or if you want to turn your copy of God's Word on, or if you just want to look at the screen, it's up to you. Romans 12, verse 1 through 2, Therefore I urge you, I beg you, brothers and sisters, in view or because of God's mercy, I, I, uh, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, living sacrifices that are holy to God and pleasing to God. Uh, by the way, that the offshoot of that is a spiritual act of worship. Verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. That's a warning. Paul gives a warning. Do not conform any longer to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test what God's will is. You'll be able to approve what God's will is, because uh, his good and pleasing and perfect will. He tells us really from the from the get-go, do not conform, don't be fashioned in this world uh, to the things of this world. Man, why would Paul give us this warning? Well, the simple fact is that this world is controlled by one that the, that the Bible calls no fewer than three times the prince of this world or the king of this world. And it's referring to the devil. You can check that out if you want to write this down. It's in John 14.30. It's in John 16.11. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. But the text I want to show you real quick to just let you know that the devil is called the prince of this world. Uh, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions you were, uh, and your sins. You were lost, which you used to live. Uh, you used to follow the ways of this world. And you also used to follow the ruler of the kingdom of the air, uh, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. You know, the devil is the prince or, uh, of this place. Uh, that's what he's doing. And he, he has a very uh, systematic way of reaching out. He has a very systematic way of battling our minds. Um, 
He, he wants to blind us from the things of God. He wants to blind us from uh, what God has planned for us. And that's what he does. And the Bible is very, very clear. We are either on the devil's side, allowing him to corrupt our mind and put blinders on our eyes. We're either on that side or we're walking and operating with the Lord and we're trying to get his will and to do what he planned for our life. There's no middle ground. There's no neutral ground. You're either on one side or the other. There is no row that you can straddle. There, there is a distinction when he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. There's a difference between this world and the world that you and I are thinking about. There is a difference between the visible realm and the invisible realm. There is a difference between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And these are the things that are in opposition to one another. Uh, there is a distinction there, and it was just as true when Paul wrote it as it is in our day. There are still two worlds going at it. There are still two worlds that are warring against each other. Now, the devil's strategy is to use worldliness to push his agenda. Whether it's about selfish pleasure, whether it's about material success, whether it's about the pride of life, he has a very succinct system that he uses. And, and the devil doesn't necessarily care if we deny God or not. He's really just happy if we can ignore him. Don't give him any thought. Call him a fairy tale. Call him a wise tale. Call him a legend. Call it ancient tradition. You don't necessarily have to deny him, but don't put a lot of stock in him. That's one of the devil's keys uh, key weapons in this battle. You don't have to say he doesn't exist, but you don't have to embrace him. That's what the devil does. I want to give you two pieces of intelligence today for this battle. I want to drop it on you. The first one is this. Uh, we are in a war. We are in a revolutionary war. And Paul cautions us and he admonishes us to be transformed. The Greek word for transformed, the, the original language word, uh, the original language word is metamorpho. Where did, what word do you think we get from the word metamorpho? Metamorphosis, that's right. He's saying be changed, be transformed, uh, come out looking different. The word's also used in the text of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. And we who with unveiled faces, we all reflect the glory of the Lord's glory, we're being transformed, we're being morphed into His likeness with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. George Barna, lots of times you'll see George Barna's group with a survey on TV. It might be on Fox, NBC, ABC. Uh, it could be on anything. But this is what George Barna says transformation looks like in the life of a Christian. He says, spiritual transformation is any significant and lasting transition in your life wherein you switch from one substantial perspective or practice to something that is wholly different that genuinely alters you at a very basic level. One system, one government, one ruling body being uprooted and being supplemented or being exchanged with another form of system or government. Transformation, Barna says, it's a significant spiritual breakthrough in which you seize a new perspective or a new practice. If, uh, the revolution that comes into your life or the transition that comes into your life, it means you break off the chains of who you used to be. You break off the, the old mindset and the old attitude. Uh, what is supposed to happen when you're transformed by the power of God? What is it supposed to look like? Uh, you're supposed to be changed when you get saved. You're supposed to be renewed, regenerated, transformed when you get saved. Uh, you're not supposed to ever be the same again when you get saved. If you, if you are the same after you got saved, I, I, I love you enough to tell you this. Ask yourself, am I saved? 
Because if you are, there is a change in your life. And this is the kind of thing that we're called to experience. We are called to experience a transformation. We are called to experience a metamorphosis. We are called to see a changed life. It's not really optional. We're told to do it. The other word that I see here besides being transformed that I want you to know about is this word revolution. Uh, Barna defines the revolutionary as a person who will, and I quote, he or she will do whatever it takes to get closer to God. They will, uh, and to help others to do the same. The revolutionary will obliterate any obstacle that prevents them from honoring God with every breath they take. Such an outstanding example of the Christian faith so that no one will question your heart or they'll question your lifestyle. The way Barna described a, a revolutionary is that no matter what, you press into Jesus. No matter what it looks like to everybody else, no matter the flack you may catch from anybody else, as a revolutionary, that is your aim, that is your goal, that is what you're going after. Are you that kind of person? Are you, are you that kind of a revolutionary? Today we're going to look uh, at another definition and how it relates to us as Christians. Y'all, whether we like to admit it or not, there's a revolution taking place in the spiritual lives of many Americans. The Christian faith, by the way, it's not even about going to church. I think Christians go to church. I think Christians should go to church. Uh, but the thing is, just because you go to church, it doesn't mean you're a Christian. Anybody can go to church, but not everybody can be the church. The church, as we talked about last week, well, the church is, is the people. We're the revolutionary guards, if you will, of the kingdom of God. But if all we do is kind of come in and wear the label and try to listen to the music... You know, one day a week or two days, uh, one day a week or, or twice a month or something like that. Understand, y'all, showing up and clocking your and, and clocking in, that doesn't make you the church. Man, it doesn't even make you a Christian. I'm glad you're here. Don't stop coming because I said that. Uh, but, but people are thinking just because they do that, they're revolutionaries. Mm -mm, that is not the case at all. The transformation that takes place in, in many of us is what we're talking about. I, I think there's a, there's a movement in the church that's waking up. I think there's a movement in the church that's waking up and says, you know what, we may have been doing this whole thing called church wrong for a couple hundred years. Church isn't, just about, church isn't about programs. It's not about, you know, do we do three hymns, three songs, and call it quits and turn off the lights and go home. Uh, it's not just a, a Sunday school, or it's not just this or that. It's not just a songbook. It's not just a building. Uh, it, it's that, those aren't the things that we're looking at. We're looking to set the church back not 200 years there's a movement within the church to set us back 2,000 years where we operate in the lifestyle of the early Christians who, 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 who manifested the love of God, the generosity of God, the mercy and the forgiveness of God, the love of God and the patience of God. Uh, that's what they looked for. It's a very simple thing. It's a very simple thing, but there is a revolution going back to the simpler things of God. Y'all, uh, the people who are thinking this way, I believe there are revolutionaries today. We see what came out of the hippie movement in the 60s. It was all about love. It was all about the power of the Holy Spirit. It was all about getting along. It was all about loving each other and loving God and loving your neighbor. It was a different kind of movement. But what they were doing is they were emulating, reflecting the way the early church acted 2,000 years ago. Y'all, they have... Many people have searched for a deeper relationship with God. And they're going to church. And I'll be honest with you, they're not finding it. People are looking for a different and a deeper relationship with God. They go to the house of God, but we're so cold when they get here. 
We do the same thing week after week, and we go through the same dance moves every single week. It's hard to realize or think that, oh, that's a relationship with God. It doesn't feel like God. So there is a change going on, a revolution going on, and the revolutionary is looking for God's love and God's holiness, looking for God's movement. But they're also looking for something that doesn't fizzle out in a month or two. People will come to a play or a revival, and they'll get on fire for God for six weeks, eight weeks, maybe a month, but before too long, man, they're fizzled out. Y'all, that is not the relationship with Jesus that we're looking for. We're looking for a relationship with Jesus that's good to go all the time. We're looking for a relationship with Jesus that is pure and authentic and genuine. That has, uh, that has nothing to do with, oh, I'm going to the church, therefore I have a relationship with Jesus. Man, that's bull. The relationship with Jesus, you come to church and you worship Him, but really that intimacy really kicks in when you get off the property. It kicks in when you're down and out. They've searched for ways to deepen their relationship with God in the past. What they've been doing is not working, church. There are many people in the church looking for something more substantial. They're looking for something that is only found, not in a church, but it's found in a personal relationship, an intimate relationship with Yahshua HaMashiach. That's in the relationship with Jesus Himself. And in order to have that kind of relationship, listen to me, I'm going to land it real quick. In order to have that relationship, there has to be a metamorphosis. There has to be a change. There has to be a transformation. It's not just showing up at a place. It's being in the person of Christ. When you become a revolutionary, you're going to be faced with challenges. You're going to be faced with opposition. Uh, there's, going to ha- uh, there's going to be some tough times that come your way. There's going to be tough choices that you're going to have to make as a revolutionary. But when the revolutionaries make the right choices, we find that there is an awesome eternal reward that waits for us. I want you to remember a revolutionary is a person who will do this. They'll do whatever it takes to be closer to God. And they'll do whatever it takes to help other people uh, help other people be closer to God. And they will obliterate any obstacle that would stop them from pulling that off. Is that us? Man, this is a war. But do we have that revolutionary mindset? Man, it's easier. I'm going to be honest with you. It's easier just to come to church and think you have a relationship with God. And if that's what you're doing, I'm not saying you're lost. This is not my job to judge. I never, I, I don't have those skills. Okay, the only one. I mean, I read something cool. This the only one who could ever throw a uh, the only one who could ever throw a stone didn't, and that was Jesus. I'm not saying I'm not trying to do this to cast anybody in a bad light, but but church, when we are serious about our relationship with Jesus. Don't bail when the first little bit of opposition or uncomfortableness comes your way. Oh, this is too hard. People think I'm crazy or they think I'm a Jesus freak. It's easier to go through the motions. It's easier to wear the label. And by the way, I think that's the, I think that's the wide road. That's the easy road. That's the big gate that there's no trouble on. But let me tell you what Jesus said about that particular road. He says this in the Gospel of Matthew 7, 12. Go ahead, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to revolution. Nope. Leads to defeat and destruction. It's a lot easier not to be a revolutionary. It's a lot easier to sit on the sidelines and sit and let somebody else do the job. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to not conform to the world, but be transformed. Being a revolutionary in the church today means that you're not always going to go with the flow. You're not always going to... Uh, 
You're not always going to be on a popular track. It means that you're going to seek God first above, above, above and beyond anything else. You're going to seek God. You're going to seek His heart, His will, His passion, His purpose for your life. It means that you're going to stand with Jesus and you're going to stand to be the church and do whatever God desires you to do. It will not be approved by the world. It will not be liked by the world. For heaven's sakes, it, it may not be liked by some of the people you go to church with. I've been doing this thing a long time. I still ain't figured that mess out. If you haven't realized it yet, as Christians, we are at war with this world. If you haven't noticed, let me be the first to tell you, there is a battle going on, man. It may not be a bloody war that we've seen in the history of our nation or the current war on, on terrorism, but it's still a war. And all the wars throughout history have basically been for this one reason, to replace one government with another. Think about it. Every, every origin of every war is replacing one authority with another. Church, the revolutionary war that you are fighting and I am fighting is that we are trying to replace the prince of this place, the king of this world, with the real king of kings. That's the revolution that we're talking about. And, this, and here's the thing. The devil, it's a war. Whether you admit it or not, whether you buy into it or not. In fact, the devil will just assume you think, oh man, that guy's crazy. Because if you deny it, it's fine. You don't have to be adversarial towards the enemy. Just as long as you ignore him, he's cool with that. But the truth of the matter is, there's still people dying. There's still people dying on the battlefield. There's still people dying and busting hell wide open. There's still people dealing with depression and defeat and discouragement with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And here you and I are with, with the king of the universe inside of us who can help them. Ah, oh, somebody else will do it. That's not what revolutionaries do. All the wars throughout history have basically been fought for that same reason. And there's always a cost to be paid. There's always a price to be paid. As participants in a war, I really want you to know who your enemy is. So the first piece of information is, A, wake up, there is a revolutionary war going on. But number two, I want you to know who you're at war with. Paul tells us in Romans 12, 2, do not conform. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're at war with the world, but not in a physical sense. We're at war with the world, but, but not in that, in that way. The war we are fighting is a moral war. It is a war of values. It is a war of principles. It is, a, it is that type of thing. It's, uh, it's the world's self-pleasing, selfish, sin-loving attitude and spirit of rebellion and pursuits that lead people away from God. And that's what we're at war with. All the things the devil puts out there for people to get led astray by, those are the things we're at war with. We're against them because we stand with the Lord. This self-pleasing, selfish, sin-loving attitude is what we're at war with. Now, the devil will use anything he can against you, saint of God. He may use things that look good, and he may use things that look bad but he'll use it. The devil may use trials and situations. He may use sickness against you. But there is nothing that the devil won't use to get you to fall away from God. Absolutely nothing. Well, Brother Mike, that's not fair. Man, the devil could care less about fair. He didn't care. We blame a lot of things on God. I think a lot of the things we blame on God, the devil's used. Ha ha, I got you, sucker. Whether it's hurt or sickness or divorce or you name it, the devil will not stop to use anything against us. He doesn't care. Church, we need a revolution in our lives today because the devil's been messing around too long. He's had free reign too long. There needs to be an army of God that arises and, and stands in the gap. 
We live in a society in which the power of sin is overtaking more and more, not just of the world, but overtaking God's people. In attitude, in philosophy, in worldviews. We live in a society where that takes place and sin has made a slave out of us and it's God's desire for us to be set free from slavery. For us to be set free from the chains of the enemy. The Bible says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So therefore, stand firm. Don't let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Don't go back to the enemy's place. Don't go back out with the orbit of Pluto. Come close to him. And y'all, this is, this is warfare talk. This is what the generals would be talking about around a war table in the war room. Y'all, we need to be tenacious. If we're going to stand, we've got to be steadfast. We have to be courageous. If we're going to stand firm and not be moved, y'all, we have to buy into this fact that we we are at war. This needs to be our position when it comes to being transformed. Lord, I am yours and you are mine. Change me however you want me to be. Man, that takes some selfishness. And that takes sacrifice. But God wants us to be from everything that enslaves us. And when we become revolutionaries, we're going to be free from the sin that tangles us up. When we become revolutionaries, we get free from the traditions that held us back. When we become revolutionaries, the attitudes that kept things, uh, the things of God away from us are off the table. Y'all, it's in our minds. Last week we said our minds control our behavior and our will control our our will controls our mind. But here's what changes your will. It will be your mind that changes your will. What you believe is important. Who you believe is important. What kingdom you are pursuing. Who you are falling in love with for your Lord. Uh, it's in our minds that we make those choices. It's in our mind that we make those decisions. Uh, and our new nature and, and the reuptake. Uh, we have this new nature inside of us. But so oftentimes we reuptake our bold behaviors and our old attitudes. And all those old things that we had laid down. That's not revolution. Listen. I thought about this. And I... I this is not the world's best illustration, but it works. Uh, you ever ordered something and it comes in the wrong wrapper? I'm thinking Mac, uh, McDonald's. I'm thinking McDonald's. Uh, I've ordered a, a McDouble before, okay? And I get home and I opened up my McDouble and somehow there's a McChicken in my McDouble wrapper. And I think, man, you can't even begin to compare to be a McDouble. Who do you think you are, Mr. McChicken? Have the McDouble wrapper on. And I was shocked when I saw what was on the inside because, man, I thought I could smell burger and beef and, and, and onions and all that jazz. And I got home and there's latas on it. And uh, things I don't particularly eat. And then I thought, daggum. I'm a lot like that McChicken because lots of times, you know, I say I'm a Christian and I love the Lord and things like that. But with the wrapper that's on the outside of my life, it's probably hard for a lot of people to tell that I'm real. Because sometimes I just kind of put on the wrapper. But on the inside, I'm different. And the, the, it works the other way around too. I know a lot of lost people who act like Christians. And I know a lot of Christians who act like lost people. And what Paul is telling us is this. If you're a Christian, then wear the Christian wrapper. 
If you're a Christian, then let the world know who you stand with, what you stand for, and whose kingdom and whose army you're enlisted in. Don't be conformed. Don't try to fit into the mold of the world. Yo, we got to stop allowing ourselves to follow the spirit of this age, the spirit of this world. If we're born again, children of God, regenerated, we can't masquerade around as the dead, lost, unbeliever, lost generation that's around us. Man, we have to be different. We have to step up. We have to believe the Word of God and live on the Word of God and act out on the Word of God. Have you ever seen an unbeliever mask themselves as Christians? It's not uncommon. It's not uncommon for Christians to mask themselves as unbelievers either. They enjoy the entertainment of the world, the fashion of the world, the vocabulary of the world, the music of the world, and their attitudes of the world. Uh, even when they don't conform to the Word of God, they'll embrace them. Even though they go against Scripture, the Christian will embrace them. That's the McChicken and the McDouble wrapper. I love this quote. Paul is saying to let your inward redeemed nature be manifested outwardly as completely and continually and consistently as possible. Y'all, what that means is this. Spend as little time as you possibly can thinking about things of this world and spend as much time as you possibly can thinking about the things of God. Spend a little time worrying about this place, this world. Spend the most time you can worrying about the world that we're going to. What is it in your life, man, that it's holding you down, holding you back, chaining you down, that's stopping you from being a revolutionary Christian? Uh, growing up, went to a lot of circuses growing up, man. We, you know, it was a cheap entertainment. They were always out there at the fairgrounds in Marion County. I'll never, I'll never forget seeing this two or three ton elephant uh, in this little pen that I could have knocked over as an eight-year-old, but there was just like a little rope or a little dog chain around this elephant's foot, and it was just attached to a, a spike in the ground. And even as a little kid, I realized, this thing gets a hold of me, I'm dead, and all the only thing that's holding it there is a daggum dog leash. And then as I got older, Corey, I realized what had happened. When that little elephant is a... a an elephantette. I don't know what a baby elephant's called, okay? Uh, but when it was just an elephantette, the way that they were able to keep it uh, controlled and to train it is they put a chain on its leg and stuck a, 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 a spike in the ground. And when it was little, that would hold it. But as it got older, it just assumed that it couldn't move. As it got older, it didn't realize that it had the power and the strength and, and, and the size to, to break that chain. And so it didn't take much to hold that elephant down because it could never get out of the fact or get over the thought that that chain is going to keep me where I'm at. Hey, listen to me, church. You may have a chain in your life today that you think that's holding you back from ministry or moving forward in the kingdom of God or moving forward in your growth in Christ. I've got good news for you. That chain that you think is, power, uh, is powerful on you, Jesus is saying, I am inside you. I live inside you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You you may not have the power to break the chain, but the one living inside you does. Whether it's addiction or divorce or, or what you whatever, these things that you think disqualify you or put you onto the side, Jesus is saying, man, don't worry about that. I'm a chain-breaking God. I'm bigger than all that stuff. There's not a weapon in this world formed against you that can prosper because of who I am, church. That little chain that's holding you can 
be taken off. In the same way, sin has enslaved many of us. Look at these promises God gives us about that. Philippians 4, 13. I can do how many things? I can break every chain. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He says in 2 Corinthians, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect when you're chained up. 1 Timothy 1.12 I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who's given me strength. 2 Timothy 4.17 But the Lord stood by my side and He gave me strength. Church, those are the promises that are given to those of us uh, who have the chain on us. He's saying, I can break you free. Church, you may be an MIA in the enemy's camp, but I've got good news for you. The Lord has come to set you free and bust you out. He can do that. That's His promises. And I'm not saying these things to condemn any of us. And by the way, I'm not preaching at you. This, if I was the only person in the room, this, this sermon would be all over me. It's mine. If it applies to you, praise God. I'm telling you this so that we can all understand that God has given every single one of us, not one exception, He's given all of us the strength to overcome the enemy. Not just preachers, and not just teachers, and not just singers, but church, every single one of us has given the power to overcome the enemy. He's given you and me the power we need to be revolutionaries. We don't have to be slaves to sin. We don't have to be slaves to uh, sickness. We don't have to be slaves to persecution. We don't have to be slaves of any kind or any bad thing that the enemy throws at us. Being a revolutionary will set us free from these things and it will set us free from the consequences of sin. By the way, Brother Mike, what's that? Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but revolutionaries, the gift of God is eternal life. I'm working on a thought in my stinking head. You know that text that says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? How many of us look at that verse and we think, oh yeah, I've fallen, but I'm not as fallen as she is. I'm fallen, but I'm not as fallen as he is. Can I tell you what? That's not what that verse says. It says we're all jacked up. We've all fallen. Don't worry about how far people have fallen. We've all fallen. Just because others may have fallen further than you, it doesn't make them any less or more of a sinner, man. We're all sinners. And we all need salvation. We all need God's mercy and grace. We all need His strength. We don't all battle the same demons, but church, we all battle demons. Yours are different than mine, and mine are different than yours, but the thing is, the same power given to each of us to overcome them is given to all of us. Church, it's time for believers to read the room culturally. It's time for churches. And when I say churches, I don't mean Baptist church, Lutheran church, Methodist church. I mean churches. Us. It's time we read the stinking room, man. It's time we get some battlefield reports because we need to wake up. We are at war. I read a statistic this week that says in 40 years, the minority of people in America will be Christians. Man, something's happening. Something's, something's changing. If you're sick and tired of the enemy holding you in slavery, then you need to become a revolutionary Christian. If you're tired of the threats and tired of the abuse that the enemy sends your way, it's time for you to become a revolutionary Christian. If you're tired of being surrounded by the enemy and hearing his lies, it may be time for you to become a revolutionary Christian. Back in 1943, there was a woman by the name of Avetta Shutter. She wrote a book called Paris Underground. She told the story about... Uh, 
when, when she was living in Paris, and in the spring of 1940, book was written in 43, the Germans came into uh, France in the spring of 1940, and they shut the nation down, wouldn't let anybody out, uh, the Germans did. Uh, and so the, the, the population remains static there in, in France, with the exception of one town, a border town. And they couldn't figure out what was going on, the Germans couldn't figure out what was going on. And what Miss Edda said is that there was a cemetery on this, in this border town, and back of the cemetery there was an ancient gate. Okay, there was an old gate that had been boarded up and rocked up and things like that. And just on the other side of that, Spain. It was a land of freedom. And so a hundred, a hundred funeral attendants would go into this border town cemetery and the Germans didn't know that they had opened up the gate in the back of the cemetery. And so when they came into the funeral, they just kept on walking to the back, way, uh, the back gate of the cemetery and walked into freedom. Church, 2,000 years ago, our Savior Jesus Christ came into the battlefield, the battle arena. And He walked into the cemetery. And He knocked the back wall out of it. And He says, follow me guys. I brought us to freedom. There's a way out of here. There's a way to liberty. There's a way to success. There's a way to provision. There's a way for us to get away from the enemy. And I've broken down the wall. Church, I've got great news for you. Revolutionary, listen to me. God's broken down the wall for you to walk into freedom this morning. He doesn't want you to stay under the auspices of the enemy. He busted hell wide open and tore apart the grave and death. He blew out the back door of the cemetery. And church as believers, all we got to do is follow Him. As revolutionaries. Preach it, kid. All we got to do is follow Him as revolutionaries. We keep on walking through. Oh, listen to me. You keep on walking through the valley of the shadow of death because you don't get a linger there. You get to go on to victory. Don't forget, you're not in this battle alone. I'm with you. Pam's with you. This church is with you. But more importantly, the Holy Spirit's with you. John 5, 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes Him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but He's passed from death into life. Thank God for that hole in the back of that cemetery. The time for revolution is now. God's provided everything we need to, to accomplish and overthrow the God of this world. God's given us everything we need to overcome the prince of the air. And Sometimes revolutionaries are looked at by their friends and their family like they're crazy. Revolutionaries are looked at by society as like something's wrong with you. The church, just like the prophets of the Old Testament, man, people thought they were crazy in their, own, in their, in their hometown. But they still stayed true to God and the purpose of God and the will of God. You look at Jesus. His hometown couldn't stand Him. They beat Him and they rejected Him uh, on Calvary. But Jesus didn't listen to the scoffers. He just kept on doing the will of God. Church, the world we live in, don't expect for them to have a parade for you when you do the right thing. They won't. You won't get any recognition from them. But can I tell you what? It doesn't matter what they think of you. It entirely matters what He thinks of you. And y'all, we're looking for revolutionaries. Some people, even people in the church you, you, you go to, they may not even feel comfortable around you. You start getting serious about your life with God. Don't ask me why. I can't figure it out. But if you decide to be a revolutionary, understand this one thing. Like Christ, our, our model 
You will be a part of reshaping the spiritual legacy of this nation, your home, this church, and this town. That's what revolutionaries do. They change one government for another, one system for another. You'll be a part of something that's bigger than you and something that is life-changing for you and life-changing for all who embrace it. Are you willing to be that person? Are you willing to be that type of revolutionary that walks close to God and help other people do the same thing, obliterating any obstacle that would stop you from doing it? Are you willing to be such an outstanding example for Christ that nobody doubts your heart or your lifestyle? It's a tough bill to that's a tough bill to fill. But can I got it? Let me be real with you. What's your options? You're either a revolutionary or you're not. There's no middle ground. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord God, today in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you so much for the power of your love and the power of your grace and the power of your goodness. You have established, you have established your, your kingdom here on this earth in us, through us. Your kingdom is, has come. Lord, let us be the Christians. Let us be the revolutionaries that you desire. Father, let us not be afraid to pay the cost or to pay the price. You have set us free, Lord. And I pray that we would just reflect back that gift of, of freedom and that grace. And Father, we would do our best to live our lives in a way that brings you glory and brings you honor. And Lord, today i got a feeling you're going to call some people to, to rise to the occasion, to make a decision to be a revolutionary Christian. And Lord, for some people in this room today, they need, they need to drop some chains. They need some chains to come off their legs. They need some chains to come off so they can be set free. The devil has convinced them that those chains will never come off. But God, you can do it this morning. Chains of self-doubt. Chains of self-defeat. Chains of low self-worth. Chains that make us think that we're not enough. Chains that make us think there must be something wrong with us. Lord God, today I pray that some of these chains of addiction and pain and hurt and rejection and abuse could just be left on the ground. Lord, it's hard to focus on changing for the kingdom if we're worried about the chains that are holding us. So Lord, I pray that you would do something in an incredibly profound way this morning in the lives of my listeners. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed, could I ask you to stand to your feet? No one looking around, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Y'all, in a moment, about 30 seconds, I'm going to open up the invitation for you. Some of you need to come forward and just leave some stinking chains on the altar. Because you've been wanting to do the will of God. You've been wanting to pursue His heart. You've, wanting to, you've been wanting to grow in your faith. You've been wanting to grow in your, your spirit. But the devil keeps telling you, oh, you can't do it with that in your life. You can't do it with that other thing in your life. You can't do it because you got this in your past. Listen. The accuser of the brethren maybe needs to be told by you in the power of the Holy Spirit that it's not your past that matters to God. It's your future. And maybe you need to remind him of his future. Because that sucker is already defeated today you can become a revolutionary it takes a choice and a decision there's a price to be paid but you can walk in that freedom
Brother Chris, what are we going to sing, brother? Let's sing. Church, the invitation is open. Would you come this morning?